Hi everyone, welcome to the Jean-Michel Basquiat exhibition. We do have four galleries here at the exhibition. To your left is the first gallery out of four. Once you exit the fourth gallery located on Grand, to your left is our gift shop. If you did validate your ticket here, then you're able to validate it at the gift shop right after. We don't allow food or drinks inside the galleries, but you're welcome to take photos. Hashtag King Pleasure. Welcome. Hello and welcome to another Members Pass podcast episode. Your host here, Phoenix LAX, General Manager at the Art Wars LA Radio. We're glad to have you back. And today we have a special bonus episode for you all to enjoy. Let me set the background up. Here at Grand LA, across the street or adjacent to the Walt Disney Concert Hall, Frank Gehry has designed another beautiful building. And what better place to have this amazing exhibition. I gotta tell you, I have a personal bias with this artist because I tend to collect anything I can find of his. From wallets to hats to any motifs with crowns on them, my latest pickup is a spray can in collaboration with the estate. On this episode, we will focus on the many voices behind the scenes of this amazing and incredible exhibition. Let's go ahead and get started with speaking with the general manager of this exhibition now. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi there, my name is Ramon, Ramon Angeles. I'm the general manager for the Jean-Michel Bas King Pleasure exhibit. Talk to us about the significance about this exhibition here in Los Angeles. This is a great exhibit for Los Angeles. We're showcasing approximately 200 works that have never uh, before been seen until we did the exhibit in New York City. Los Angeles was important for the Basquiat estate because this was a place where Jean-Michel loved lived and visited some of the work that we have here was created while he lived here in Venice. This Jean-Michel Basquiat exhibit is special because it's the first one that is put on by the Basquiat estate, which happens to be his two sisters, Janine and Lisanne. They run the estate now. The estate was created by uh, Jean-Michel's dad, Gerard, and now it's run by Janine and Lisanne. They wanted to show the world who he was from their perspective, from their eyes, that he was just another human being. Yes, he's he's this amazing artist, but he was also their brother at the same time, you know. So showcasing this exhibit in the way that it is presented today, it's important to see the life of Jean-Michel through their eyes. Uh, You'll see that this exhibit is different than many others, whereas the architecture is very different. It was important to them that every room had a different feel and appeal, not just your ordinary gallery, white walls looking space. In fact, they work with a very famous architect, uh, Sir David Age is the architect for the exhibit. They work together to come up with what we have here today, which is an amazing space that is designed to travel. The point that the uh, state wanted to get across or, or just let the public see with this exhibit is how he lived, what was important to him, you know, from little things, little objects, what he collected during his travels, what their home looked like when he grew up, what his studio looked like. We have a, we have a recreation of his studio where he lived and died. We also have a recreation of uh, the Palladium nightclub, which is a place where he liked to go out and party and have fun. You know, we have his bike over here, which he bought this bike in the early 80s because as a black man with dreads, he couldn't get a cab in New York City. So therefore, his method of transportation to get around town was on a bike whenever he couldn't get a cab. In those times that he did get a cab, a lot of the times 
were times where he will have one of his Caucasian friends helicap for him. You will see all those artifacts here, you know, from his shoes, from the radio, his boombox that he listened to while he was painting, the TV that he used while he was painting. We have a collection of all the books that he read, all the movies that he watched. So everything is in his studio. I want to know, and what I want the listeners to know of Southern California is how is he received where he's from. For New Yorkers, John Michels is definitely an icon. You know, he was born in Brooklyn, became famous in New York, lived downtown Manhattan, did a lot of graffitis in the late 70s, early 80s. There's still some of those murals are still up in some of the walls. They were preserved. They're still there in some spaces. Definitely, definitely an icon for New Yorkers. It's uh, something that we are all proud of, that he came from New York. I grew up in the East Village myself, and I re remember the early 80s where graffiti was just throughout the city. You will see all the subway cards covering graffitis. You'll see the downtown area of Manhattan covering graffitis, you know, and even there's so many photos that still today are circulating with uh, Jean-Michel Samo tagging. That, that, that was his tag back in those days. But it's, I think it's good to see how he transcended from that, just tagging the walls to actually creating the art and you know doing that on canvases. Personal question, what does this exhibition mean to you, being from New York, coming over to the West Side and seeing something that has been adored uh, on that side of the world for decades now, right? What does it mean to see it here? I knew John Michel before I started working for the estate, and just to have the opportunity to, to do this and work with them has been amazing, just amazing, it truly, truly unforgettable, I must say. So when the estate asked me if I would come to L.A. to open this exhibit, I did not hesitate. To, you know, My answer was yes right away. It's something I wanted to continue doing. Uh, just to be able to surround myself with all this amazing work, which most people don't have the opportunity to do. You know, I, to me, it's a privilege. You know, it's an honor to be able to do this. Give me some shout outs. Who do you got to yeah. shout out? Let them know. Shout out to the Basket Estate, Janine, Lisan, and everybody involved with King Pleasure. <laughs> Let's go ahead and check in with PS Arts and see what they got going on for the kids today. Hey, what's going on, you guys? Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, this is Elda Panetta with PS Arts. And I'm Jacinto Astiazaran, also with PS Arts. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. And I know that the kids are eagerly waiting to get over here and work on this workshop. I just wanted to go ahead and cover a little bit about what you guys have going on. So we're from PS Arts, which stands for Public School Arts. Uh, we do arts education classes for students K through high school. And we're partnered here today with the King Pleasure exhibit to introduce Jean-Michel Basquiat's art to a new generation of kids. Today is going to be self-portraits inspired by Jean-Michel Basquiat. We're not trying to copy his work, but we want to be inspired inspired by some of his motifs and some of his techniques. Yeah, it's our first art uh, workshop today here doing an art lab, so we're excited to see what the students come up with. I encourage them to think with their hands, not with their brain, and see what comes out. Today we're using tempera paint sticks, Sharpies, acrylic paint pens, scissors, cardboard, because Jean-Michel did a whole series on cardboard. Also, we have mirrors so that we can look at our faces while we're doing our self-portraits. I think that's about the range of it. Amazing. Can't wait to see what the kids come up with. Talk to us a little bit about the time duration and how many of these workshops uh, can we expect throughout the rest of the exhibition. We'll be here every Monday for the free school visits for the duration of the entire exhibition. Each lesson is 45-minute session. We hope everyone has a really great time. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. Thank you so much for your time, you guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. All righty, awesome. So as the workshop gets underway, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, y'all. I'm Navia Itzia. I am 
a teacher at Animo Venice, and we're here today with our babies. Tell us how you heard about the exhibition and how you got your kids to get here. Oh, wonderful. So I am a great, uh, big John Michelle Basquiat fan, um, and I've seen it all over L.A., and I was like, I have to bake it. Also seen it on Instagram, so I was able to come in spring break, and I was like, it would be a dream <laughs> to have the babies join me or like to be able to experience this. It's very impactful, and it's very it can be very transformative. So yeah, we signed up, and here we are. <laughs> yeah. Talk to us about the importance of you know field trips like these. Our Black Student Union created a yearly school-wide gallery walk, and it's been going down through three years. The actual creators were invited back as alum to come with us because we won the field trip. They did a school-wide Black Excellence Gallery Walk. And these folks that are you see here are the ones that um, were able to submit an art piece. The babies advocated yeah, to the principal to have a field trip. And this opportunity came up. And I was like, wow. Talk about your experience so far. What are the kids saying? What are you feeling? Super happy. Super bl and blessed. We're just creating or planting seeds in the babies. You know, and um, what I'm seeing right now, they're enjoying themselves. And I'm really happy that we're able to create bridges for the babies. You know, sometimes um, access is hard. And this generation, Gen Z, like they're so creative, like they can create anything. And I think as teachers, we need to transition um, and tap into the kids' gifts because everyone has a specific gift. As opposed to going around and trying to ask what's going on, can we walk to a few tables and you just kind of tell us what you see and what they're what they're creating? All right. So we're walking over here and we're looking at folks doing selfies, uh, looking at themselves in the mirror. How are you feeling? Good. I'm happy. Yeah? Yeah, I'm really happy. I've done blonde contouring before and I hate it because I'm not that kind of artist. <laughs> I'm more of like a... I see myself as more of a structured artist, mm -hmm. and so coming to like the Basquiat where he seems so like, he seems like he just does whatever's in his head is like kind of crazy to me because I can't do that. Like even as an artist, I know like people say like, oh we have like, a, our brain works a different way, but every artist's brain works a different way, so it's, it's really interesting to see. And it's interesting to try what he, like his process, because this is not what I would do at all, <laughs> so... And thank you so much, Lovely. Thank you so much. This is the uh, president of BSU who created this uh, opportunity. Thank you. And another one? Okay, good. My art piece, um, I just put down what came to my mind. These are words about, you know, how I'm feeling. One's happy, um, inspired, uh, love, and um, fear. This is it right here. I like the overall experience. It was um, really cool. Like, it just showed me that anybody can do art and anybody can you know make their dreams come true with anything they want to do and even if it's different you can still do something with it my piece you know i just scribbled on it you know see i um i think it expresses me pretty well you know it's not just one straight shape it's like i'm all over the place and that's what the piece is as well my overall experience with this exhibit um it's pretty unique and i think it's cool you know all right you guys i have completed all four galleries including the gift shop and i gotta tell you i can be here all day speaking to you about my amazing experience all of the artifacts that mean so much to me and everything that i've explored and 
really come to an understanding about this gentleman. And instead of doing all of that, I wanted to add an extra layer of detail. And for that, we have been blessed to get the show's producer on a Zoom call. Her accolades are second to none. From producing events at such places as the Prince George Ballroom, the Lincoln Center, dance performances at the Apollo Theater, and being an instructor over at the University of New York for over 20 years. Go ahead and introduce yourself, and thank you so much for being here with me. Sure. I'm Eileen Gallagher. I'm the producer of the Jean-Michel Basquiat Exhibition. I was approached by the estate to partner with them to create this exhibition because they had never done anything like this before. I've worked in this field for many years, more than I'd like to say, presenting art and popular culture, exhibitions, films, anniversary celebrations. So that's what I do. First of all, we wanted to be, well, a couple of things. I mean, Jean-Michel spent a lot of time in Los Angeles. He spent, um, you know, from 1982 to 1984, he spent a lot of good chunks of time working and living in LA. He had the studio in Venice for a while. He had three solo exhibitions at Larry Gagosian Gallery. He lived with Larry for a while. He stayed at the Chateau Marmont. He stayed at the Hermitage Hotel in Beverly Hills. So Los Angeles seems like a great place to have the exhibition. And we were looking at venues. We wanted to be at a place that was accessible That was also part of an artistic community. So, you know, right in downtown, as you mentioned, there's the Walt Disney Concert Hall, but there's also the Broad Museum and MoCA and the Clyburn Music School. So, you know, just being a part of all of those institutions felt really good with us. Can you talk to us a little bit about just all of the different pieces that that were put together there. In selecting the pieces, a couple of things. Usually when you go to a Jean-Michel show, you don't see a lot of drawings. And the drawings are really kind of a window into some of his masterpieces as they create kind of different elements um, that you can see in some of his other works. And then also all of his personal effects that you see in the studio, that you see um, you know, in the family home, that you see in the Palladium recreation. This really gives you a sense of Jean-Michel the person, the things that were important to him, you know, all of his books, all his videotapes, you know, his record collection. These were things that were really inspired him. And you can see a lot of that evidence in his work. Andy Warhol's pieces. Can you talk to us about the four pieces that are in this collection or in this showing? And was it always apparent that these were going to be the ones or was there more that were considered? Yeah, no, I mean, these... the, the four portraits that you that you refer to are, there's a portrait done um, by Andy Warhol of Jean-Michel. And then he also did three portraits, one of Jean-Michel's father, Gerard, one of his mother, Matilda, and another one of his sister, Janine. And, you know, they, they were very good friends. And I think this was something that Andy wanted to do to kind of honor Jean-Michel and sort of paint portraits of his family. And, you know, Janine talks about it was a really like fun experience. Like Andy took all these Polaroids of her um, and then, you know, went back to the studio and created these silk screen work. So um, it was important to have, to show the connection to Andy Warhol because he was a very important part of Jean-Michel's world. And one of the marquee things about this exhibition is um, the Spotify playlist. Can you tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, how those songs were selected? Sure. Well, you know, I mean, music was one of the main influences in Jean-Michel's world. And he, you know, for a while he had, he was in a group called Grey. And he also produced, you know, one of the first hip hop records, Beat Bop, 
with, you know, Ramsey and K-Rob, which actually was mentioned by Rolling Stone as one of the top 100 hip-hop songs of all time, actually. And Janine and Lisan selected all the songs that they listened to while growing up. You know, their father always played music. You know, he had very eclectic taste. He listened to jazz, but he also listened to Donner Summer and Barbra Streisand. And there was always music playing in the house. And I think Jean-Michel just absorbed that. Then when, you know, Jean-Michel was working, he always had music playing and jazz was a huge influence for him, particularly Charlie Parker, Miles Davis, John Coltrane. I mean, these were giants to him and he listened to that, but he also listened to Blondie and Queen and Elton John and, you know, a lot of the kind of the music of the day and his girlfriend, Madonna, um, for a while. So, and then the third playlist is the one from Nightlife in the 1980s. You know, he frequented a lot of clubs, he DJed. So this is music that you would typically hear in the clubs in the 80s. And then the last playlist, which you can actually hear in the shop, um, in the, um, you know, in the store is um, kind of hip-hop artists posthumously calling out Jean-Michel. I mean, mm-hmm. there's probably 30 to 40 songs that name-call Jean-Michel since his passing. So we wanted to pay tribute to those artists as well. Beyond the galleries, beyond the graffiti, he was a world traveler. Is there a piece that resonates with you in, in his collection of things that you guys have? I think it's in room two or three. When you go into the studio, the, the room before the studio that has kind of like that big glass case of all of his objects and many you know as you say he did travel a lot and he you know he went to Africa and had an exhibition there and he was um very taken by the Ivory Coast so a lot of the things that are in that case are from the Ivory Coast but there's one piece and I don't know where it actually came from it's a small wooden dragon that's yellow and green um it's kind of like the head of a dragon and then when you go into the palladium space you see that dragon head that's just exploded and turned into this you know 16 foot painting so um there's something very charming about that to me that he took this kind of you know kind of raw sculpture and made it into this major masterpiece that little piece you're speaking about is it fits in my palm right so it's a little exactly and what he turned that thing into is size of a whole wall can you tell can you talk to us about just um putting together the studio space what was the the plan for that in in its early infancy well i mean we didn't we had some photographs of his studio at great jump street but not a lot so it was really thinking about how to use that space to kind of show how jean-michel might be working in that space so it was important to kind of select a lot of books and videotapes, um, you know, and personal items from his travels, things that he would surround himself with, music, records, his record player, his boom box. So to kind of put those in the space with his artwork, so you could kind of understand like the things that he was doing and thinking about and looking at while he was working. You know, I mean, he had so many different books. I mean, everything from, you know, white trash cooking to, you know, Mm -hmm. history of art books to um, the history of movies. Um, You know, he was a voracious reader and a really huge consumer of culture. And I think that all of those things really infused his work. So it was really important to kind of just put them all together and make it feel like, you know, he had just walked out of the studio. So you see crumpled up packs of cigarettes, you see art supplies, you see bottles of wine. I mean, 
you know, this just as if he he had just been working and went out for a walk. So that was the okay. idea. Uh, talk to us about uh, Studio Three or Section Three um, royalty and and how that was chosen to be a part of this exhibition. Jean Michel used the crown motif in a lot of his paintings, and you know, it was really that he felt that black people were not revered in popular culture or in culture in general, that they didn't get their due. So, you know, as a crown was one way of kind of anointing them into kind of, you know, a more important position in life. He also really revered a lot of musicians and a lot of sports figures. So, you know, that was, those people were considered royalty to him. And in that gallery, you see representation of Miles Davis, Charlie Parker, Nat King Cole, Grace Jones, Jesse Owens, Sugar Ray Robinson. So it's really kind of a gallery of many of his personal heroes. I love it. I love it. Can you tell me one of your first interactions with Basquiat's work? Oh, gee. Well, it was a lot. I mean, it was a while ago because, you know, I'm, I have a degree in art history. So, you know, I studied his work and, you know, was part of the art world in the 80s. But I, I always found it kind of very emotionally resonating and also just so rich. And the color palette, too, is, you know, that I think that that's the first thing that draws you in. His colors are so vibrant and you become attracted to his colors. And then you look at his imagery and you look at how he used words. And it just, you know, you kind of, the more you look at it, the deeper you can go. He really was, had quite a presence in New York. His studio was downtown on Great Jones Street. He had another studio on Crosby Street. He showed in galleries, you know, down in Soho and the Lower East Side. So there's a lot of pride of place, you know, with New Yorkers and, you know, with the New York art scene that Jean-Michel was born and bred in New York. You can go ahead and uh, tell that when you go into Exhibition 4, right, with some of these uh, proclamations that he received from the city, the mayor and his official day, I think it's uh, April 9th. I saw there on one of yeah. the plaques that they have designated for him. So, you know, just, you know, ending the exhibition that way and going into, you know, a location where he frequented and, and loved to spend time. In, in the back, can you describe the, the candle tables and all of that? Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. Well, in New York, there was this club called the Palladium. It was on 14th Street and um, it was a really famous nightclub. And there was a curator at the time, Henry Geltzahler, who worked at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And he was asked by the owners of the club to represent to recommend some artists to paint some murals for the club. So he recommended Jean Michel, Francesco Clemente, and Keith Haring. There may have been one other. And so Jean Michel was given the VIP room, the Michael Todd room, which was named for one of Elizabeth Taylor's husbands. And so he created these two huge murals for for the VIP room. And in the VIP room, it was very kind of gothic and baroque, and they had a lot of kind of draped fabric and candelabras and tables, and there was a huge bar, and actually the painting New Nile was behind the bar. And it's really extraordinary that this painting is in such amazing condition, considering it was behind a bar in a nightclub. But, um, you know, we have a faux bar in the exhibition, but we don't serve drinks behind (laughs) Talk to me about the easiest and the most difficult part about putting on this exhibition. That's a tough question. I don't know what was the easiest part. You know, it was, um, you know, it was hard because we started the exhibition working on it during the pandemic, you know, and we assembled a really great design team. Sir David Ajay designed the exhibition and Abbott Miller from Pentagram designed the graphics. But it was challenging because 
on other projects that I've worked on, you know, kind of the design of the exhibition is very collaborative. You know, you sit around and you discuss various ideas and how it should lay out. And we couldn't really do that because we were doing it on Zoom calls and it's just not the same. So that that was a little difficult and challenging. I mean, I don't know what the easiest part was. I mean, I guess, and I think, you know, one of the hardest parts for the sisters was deciding which works to put in the exhibition and which ones to kind of leave out because we just, you know, didn't, you know, we only had a finite amount of space. So I think that was a difficult decision too. The easiest part, I don't know. <laughs> Not that it was like that challenging or anything, but it was a, it was a lot of work. It was a lot, a lot of work. And finally, in the gift shop, how did you guys boil them down to these specific collaborations to bring here? The estate has a pretty robust licensing program, and they work with a lot of different brands. We looked at kind of what products were out there and decided which one was kind of best for this audience, kind of like getting a mix of price points, collectibles, you know, creating some unique clothing items for the exhibition, things that you can only get at the exhibition. Um creating the catalog, which, you know, was also kind of a unique thing that was put together. So just kind of a cross between high and low and, again, creating things that you could really only get at the show. Is there any other programming that that may be in conjunction with the exhibition uh, before it it goes ahead and moves on to its next uh, place? We're kind of in the process of just finalizing it, so I don't know how much I can divulge, but there's going to be some talks, probably some um, IG lives. Um, We hope to have a couple of music events during the run of the exhibition, some film series. So we're just working on all the details now. It should all be apparent in the next week or so. Where does it go next? After you guys close it down here, is there a a That's a good question. We're discussing that now. So, you know, we haven't, uh, you know, the other thing I wanted to mention too, is that we also have these the first Thursday of every month is a family art night. The best question for last. You ready for this one? How do you celebrate yourself? I try to do like, you know, every project I take on, I really try to do something unique and different. I never want to repeat myself. I always, I never wanted to do anything cookie cutter. So this project for me was a particular labor of love and it really was important to me. It's one of the the best things I've worked on. Um, and and one of the thing, reasons I think is that I really think we broke new ground in how we presented art to the public. I feel very proud that we were able to kind of present kind of a really fuller picture of Jean-Michel and that it has resonated so deeply with the public. If you have enjoyed this episode, please make sure to take our survey for a chance to win exhibition tickets to come here at the Grand Los Angeles and enjoy this exhibition. If you are following us on social media at Art Wars LA, the link is in our tree link in our bio. Go ahead and take the survey. In a week's time, we will go ahead and select two lucky winners that have completed the survey and email you e-tickets to come visit the Jean-Michel Basquiat King Pleasure Exhibition. Thank you so much for tuning in. Your host, Phoenix LAX. Till we meet again.